say when I went to America the first time in 2017, it was to a School of Evangelism with Reinhard Bonnke. That was the first time I saw Scott get on stage and preach the gospel, but with demonstration. And I've never seen anything like it. And, um, you know, that was amazing for me to have a guy get on stage calling out names of people he has no idea about anything. Um, and Daniel Kalenda introduced Scott like this. He said, so if you have any sin in your life, you better get it out now. Otherwise, Scott's going to call it out. <laughs> and I said, Jesus, if there's anything, take it now, please. <laughs> and he literally called out people by their name. Um, and not for sin, just to encourage them in the Lord. Um, but, uh, and you know, it's, it's I think, um, I've been thinking about this last night when I went home. Um, the human thing to do is to look at all the stuff that someone else did. Um, and I can tell you about some of the stuff that I know about. Scott has planted 132 churches since 2006. Um, he uh, has a woman, um, uh, woman's house center, yeah, women's center, they um, get about 300 to 500 clients per week, and that women's center is for women going through abuse, um, women trafficking, um, and then he has a coffee farm that supports that, um, and then a lot of other stuff, and I'm sitting with this guy, and listen, who, who, knows, who knows who Reinhard Bonnke is, okay, and Bill Johnson, Todd White, Daniel Kalenda, now this is the friends of Scott, so you can look at all this stuff, and the people he knows, like, you know, I know Heinz, you know? <laughs> but Scott knows Jesus. And, um, and, and as, as I'm, I sit down and listen to him, I'm humbled that a guy, um, a man of God like this, will fly halfway across the world to meet with us in Alpington. And, um, and I sit down and I listen. You know, I can, of course, I can talk a lot. You know? So I sit down and I listen. And last night I was in bed and... Um, I was like, God, I thank you for this man because it humbled me to, to see a man of God like himself sit down with someone like me, you know. And when he came, he said, you know, I didn't come for all these conferences. I came because the Lord spoke to me. I need to sit with you. And, um, and I'm humbled by that. And I'm like, God, I need to learn so much more. So um, it's on, I'm honored to have you here, man, and to spend time with you. And um, above all the stuff and all the people and all the stuff that he did, out of knowing Jesus, there's a character that has fruit, and I want to eat of it. So as uh, I welcome Scott on, please open your hearts and receive what God has for us today because there's a massive deposit in the Spirit taking place this weekend in Uppington and today in this church. And if your account's not open to receive, no deposit is going to be made. So open up your hearts and just receive what the Lord has for you today. Scott, welcome. Lord, is it on? You can hear me? Amen. So I've learned some things from Pickard too. And uh, by the way, that worship was phenomenal. Okay. It was, this is a lot shorter than mine. <laughs> you might need some glasses. Uh, one of the things that was incredible about that worship was, especially for me, um, I mean, there was a lot of intimacy there, but that last song resonated so well in my heart. 
And if I've learned anything from Pickard this week, it's to sow a seed and dance over it. So I'm sowing into the unity of this nation and that song. And I'm dancing over it in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage all of you to do the same, to sow into that and what this man's ministry is. It's absolutely phenomenal. I, I've never, I've heard songs about unity, but I've never really truly felt the spirit behind it like what you brought, and that was phenomenal. Um, yeah, so I'm here in South Africa in a hot place. I took my shirt off. Hopefully I don't have to take this one off. And <laughs> if I do, don't be jealous, man. All right? Don't be jealous. All right. So, okay. Here, take that for me, would you? <laughs> I want you to open your Bibles to John 8. I want to pray with everybody today. And, man, I'm trembling on the inside. I really am trembling on the inside. I believe that here. Take that stool. And I feel that God is doing something in this region. There's some things, there's a thread that I've been pulling, you know, since I got here. And I've had some wonderful conversations, even around the breakfast table this morning, about the kingdom of heaven. See the kingdom right behind you guys. I see nation, church, family, all the things we stand for as well. For those of you who don't know, I'm an overseer, an apostolic overseer of the Encounter Church. We're an elder-run church as well, first among brothers, uh, as, as everybody here understands that comes to this church. Um, every church uh, or fellowship, however you want to call it, gathering that we've ever planted has been uh, an elder-run church, and we believe that's biblical, and I'm just really excited about that. It's a safety. It's a protection when you have that around you. It's, it's amazing, even though I might have a vision from God as to where to go when I submit it to my brothers, and when I submit it to my brothers, it's important that I just don't say it to them and demand allegiance. I submit it to my brothers. And even though I have to wait and wait and wait at times for them all to be on the same page, what it does is produces a patience inside of me and a trust inside of them. And I love that. I love that about the, the elder community. So I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a church, an elder-run church is an excellent option. God bless you guys. Um. How many in here today, and, I, and you know what, let's start off by praying. Father, we thank you for this glorious, glorious day. Lord, we thank you that your eternity has invaded our time. We thank you, Lord God, that right now as we're seated with you in heavenly places, Father God, and we are to see from your perspective, Father, we ask, Lord God, that the things that bind this earth right now will not bind our hearts and our minds. But, Father God, we would rise above it by the Spirit of God in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I take authority over this region in the name of Jesus. Father, every plant, every soil, everything created 
all that lives and all that has died come into alignment in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that everything that has ears, Lord God, would praise you today, would hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Father, in Uppington, in Jesus' mighty name, Father, we thank you that you have invaded us. We thank you that your kingdom reigns and shall have no end. We thank you that there is increase upon even these words spoken today as they are falling into fertile hearts in Jesus' mighty name. And if there be any blockage in the name of Jesus over your mind and over your heart, I command it to fall and be broken in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you glory. Now anoint my tongue, anoint your words. Lord Jesus, your word is like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. Father God, you're also a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and you bring healing to our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I love the word of God. Absolutely adore it. I'm a student of the word. I, I wasn't for, for almost 20 years of my life. Um, I grew up in the church. Uh, for those of you who know, have you ever heard of Zion, Illinois? Zion, John Alexander Dowie, John G. Lake, any of these people? Well, the John G. Lake was one of the greatest faith healers that ever walked the planet. He actually had roots here in South Africa as well, where he came, Mahon Missions. Uh, there was incredible things that took place. Well, he was trained up in my hometown of Zion, Illinois underneath a mighty man of God named John Alexander Dowie. And my great-great-grandfather was the last successor of that church. I grew up in a home of divine healing. I've never, I, I've, we've never had anybody die prematurely in my family, ever, my whole family. Uh, even been in bad car accidents. They didn't die, nothing like that. My brother was in a head-on collision, went off the road, hit a tree head-on, never broke a bone, had a little scratch on his face. We've never had any of these issues. My family, as long as history of the Lees has been in existence, I've never known divorce. I don't know what division is, nor do I want to. And I know there's principles that we have to live by in order to see those things maintained, right? I preached about them and taught about them yesterday in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I talked about those things that are, that, that, that are sub subhuman, and I say subhuman because when you come into Christ Jesus, okay, all things have become new. You've been born into a supernatural lifestyle, a supernatural, you are now a supernatural being. And so Paul equates this, this kind of wisdom of jealousy and strife and envy, he calls it humanly wisdom. Human wisdom. It's subpar for what we've been brought into. Amen. So I don't want that. And I pray today that we would not, we would not walk in that way. Uh, one of the things also that I do, uh, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Guatemala uh, a lot. That's where our coffee farm is. That's where a lot of our ministry is, missions-wide. That's our, 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 one of our main focuses, Latin America. And I'm uh, the director and, and president of a theological seminary. So I, I really love the word. I have, to, I have to kind of keep my edge with our students, right? And um, so I have to ask a couple questions before we get going. And this is by no means to, 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 
to challenge anybody's thoughts or, or where you walk or anything like that. But I need to know in this, this area, how many have ever heard of hypostatic union? There we go. Okay. Let me, let me talk to you today a little bit about that before we get into what we're, we're actually going to preach. Amen? If you're taking notes, please take notes. If you have a piece of paper, you want to take notes. If you're recording this, you might want to grab my voice a little bit louder on there. Amen? Hypostatic union is this. How many have ever heard where people say that God, Jesus was fully man and fully God? You've heard that? That's hypostatic union, by the way. That's the theological term for that, that belief. That Jesus was fully man and fully God. And we have to realize this, that he was fully man and fully God. I'm just going to walk amongst you. Is that okay? He was fully man and fully God. He was fully tempted as a man, right? How many know that? Jesus was fully tempted. Did you know he was tempted in every single way? Right? That's what the Bible says, right? Every way. So Jesus was tempted with homosexuality. Homosexuality. Wait a minute. I just said Jesus was tempted in every single way, and some of you nod your heads. And then I said Jesus was tempted in homosexuality, and you went. That's a good point. I want to confront religion today. I want to confront mindsets that bind people from living in the full potential that God gave to you, the fullness of Christ Jesus. I believe there's a perspective, three different perspectives, that Jesus walked in in order to live a sin-free life. And I'm going to teach you about that today, what he actually gave you and brought you into. But hypostatic union is this, is that he was fully God and fully man. He was tempted in every single way. I'm going to say another thing, and it might even throw you like way farther back. Jesus was tempted in bestiality. You say, what? How can you say that? Did you know what was happening amongst the Greeks in that day? Did you know how their gods were formed, the pan god that was half animal and half man? It came out of this, these relations, these these. These, these idols that people were forming in their hearts through their actions. Did you know your actions make idols in your life? And so these things were happening, and they were projecting them, and they were making these gods out and about from, from what they were living. And they were sleeping with animals, many of them. As a matter of fact, how many have ever been to Pompeii? I know we're talking about Italy at this time, but I've been to Pompeii. Yes, sir. In Pompeii, when you go into Pompeii, Aaron, am I right? You walk into Pompeii, there's an actual brothel right there on the left, right? And in that brothel, because in that town, people only lived to be about 40 years old because they would die of syphilis and diseases. They were the most wealthy, but the most vagabond. They had everything, but they had nothing. And it gives you a perspective because in that brothel, there's these pictures on the wall, and one of these pictures is sex with animals. It's crazy. Friends, I did not come here today to pat you on the backs. 
I came you to bring you into the new light. Jesus was tempted in every single way. If he wasn't tempted in every single way, that would not allow people to walk in freedom. We would still look at homosexuals. Listen to me carefully. We would look at homosexuals and we would say that they can't be free. But Jesus says they can. Because the power that he carried broke that power in order for them to receive freedom. His gospel, his life lit up the darkest corners of the earth. The darkest corners of the earth received the light of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, that's a good word. So no matter what you're dealing with today, know that he can set you free. Whatever thought, say, well, I'm not dealing with that. Anger, bitterness, rage, malice are just the same, my friends. If you're dealing with those things, he can set you free. So here we have this hypostatic union. Hypostatic union, fully God, fully man. We know that Jesus never enacted his divinity. He lived fully as a man, even though he was a God-man. He lived, I'm going to take off my time. I, next thing you know, my shoes are going to come off. Everything's just going to start coming off, guys. I'm telling you. I just, I preach and I get the fire of God on me. I'm like, yeah. he was a fully God-man. Fully God. But he never enacted his divinity. He never called on his divinity. He never did this. He always relied on the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Lord to only do what he saw his father doing and say what he heard his father saying. He never enacted of his own strength or his own person. We see that in Philippians chapter 2 when he said, Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What does that mean? Do not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus did not consider himself God in those days. He didn't. But what did he mean by that? If he would have took his life in his own hands, guess what, my friends? He would have considered himself like God. But he submitted himself even to death upon the cross. Therefore, he was given the highest exalted place. And that's a word for us today, is that when we take our lives in our own hands, we act as though we are God. Man plans his way. Man digs a hole. Falls into it. There's a way that seems right to a man but in the end leads to destruction or death trust in the lord with all of your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path so this is jesus the hypostatic union the theological term for this fully god fully man as a matter of fact we see in the Bible, where the devil in the wilderness tried to tempt him to try to pull him into his divinity before the appointed time. Turn these stones into bread. Man shall not live on bread alone. 
The devil was wanting him to reverse the laws of nature. When Jesus came to absorb all that was here and conquer it so that in the end we could have dominion over it. He took him to the pinnacle of the temple. He says, look out, bow to me and I will give you the governments of the earth. He knew what was coming. He knew it, but he didn't know it. He knew what was coming for Jesus, but he didn't know what was coming for the followers of Jesus because it had not yet been revealed. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, had the rulers of this age knew what was going to happen, they would have never crucified the Son of Man. Because before time began, God decreed over the world, over humanity, over everything. When light was there, God decreed that men shall be my glory in the earth. And that glory is the acts and nature and self-manifestation of God himself in your lives. So there we see it. He was tempted. As a matter of fact, you go to the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says that God the Father, the Father transfigured him. Jesus did not do it himself. As a matter of fact, it was difficult for Jesus. Did you know that? He actually, in the Garden of Gethsemane, put his head on a rock, cried, cried tears like blood, and he said, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will. Your will be done. He was a full man. Full man. So how in the world, how in the world, we say the Holy Spirit, yes. The Holy Spirit is everything to us now. Jesus is everything to us now. God the Father is everything to us now. All three of them are everything to us. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the, except through him. We know there's a picture in the Old Testament that the rock that the water flew out of was Jesus. God was the fountain, and the Holy Spirit was the water. We know that these things are there. But how, Jesus, how did you live a sinless life? How was it possible being tempted in every single way? How was it possible that when that beautiful woman came with, with sweaty hair and threw herself at your feet and anointed you, how did you not have these lustful thoughts? I'm being honest, friends. How were you not tempted when people would throw money at you and give everything to you, you think, it's not, you think it's not possible? Friends, listen to me. I was in Toronto doing a catch the fire. You know what catch the fire is? I was in Toronto doing catch the fire. I stood up, give some prophetic words. I went to the bathroom. I couldn't even get out of the bathroom. I had to call for security because people packed in the bathroom and wouldn't let me out of the stall. When you hear about the press, the press is real. The press is real. Miracle signs and wonders start popping off. Forget the words you just spoke. People are like, touch me. It's real. I was in Guadalajara, Mexico. And the power of God came down. 
The Holy Spirit came down on me. It's the time when I was rolling around on the floor. I thought I was going to minister to a woman, an old woman in the back that was dancing around. I saw her from the front. I went to her in the back. And guess what? I got about 15 feet away from her and she laughed at me. She didn't want nothing I had. She had her own Jesus. My pride thought, oh, I'm going to go pray for that one. Come on, entourage. And I got 15 feet away and she's dancing. She, <laughs> Bam! I hit the floor. I was wearing a black shirt, black pants, black shoes, black everything. That's, I just dressed in black all the time. I don't know why. Maybe how Benny Hinn wears white. I don't know. I don't know. Drove a black truck. Everything was black. And it wasn't because of my size, I'm be honest with you. Because I was more fit then. So I'm rolling around on the floor. This is what the pastor referenced. And I'm weeping, crying, mooing. You know what mooing is? Sure you do. You have cattle here in South Africa. I was mooing. Getting dirty. Mexico is, well, it's a lot like what's out here. <laughs> True. Although there were tile floors there, not carpet. Getting nasty dirty. A couple thousand people in the room. And I heard a voice say this to me. Scott, get up. Brush yourself off. Clean yourself up. The people are waiting to receive from you. I'm about 45 minutes on video. Somebody was taping. Everybody's taping these days. Another time the voice comes. Scott, get yourself up. Brush yourself off. The people are waiting to receive from you. Fix your hair. Another time, he screams at me louder. Wake up! Sit in the chair. Brush yourself off. Clean yourself up. Dust yourself off. The people are here to receive from you, Scott. Then I heard a small voice behind those loud voices. He said, stay with me. I stayed on the floor. I rolled around and kept mooing. All of a sudden, a man that was in a wheelchair, he reaches down clicks his little things back, pushes his way up. He takes a step, walks over to me, picks me up. He says this, where is it? This man is first time ever in church. He didn't know anything different. He wasn't born now into religion. He was born into the reality of the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't born into a preacher that was trying to look pretty in his black outfit and his slicked hair. He was born into somebody who was rolling around in the dirt and becoming one with the people. That's what it was. And he picks me up, and I couldn't even get out words. I just pointed. And they would pick me up, and they'd bring me. Now the, the press now, everybody's waiting to get prayed for. Prayed for. They put me down, and the only thing that would come out of my mouth was this. 
and people would go, pick me up. Mowed down in the presence of God. Never seen anything like it. I couldn't even lift my arms anymore. The, the glory was so heavy, I could feel it running through my fingers almost like now. They take my hand and they throw it this way, and people. And now more people are pressing in. And it's happening. It's real. If our hearts aren't in Jesus, friend, those things can get to your head. Especially if you crave the attention of man. You're not immune to the praises of him. So what was taking place there, there was a, a, a family on a row. This woman reaches up, she grabs my hand. She says, sir, in Spanish. I speak Spanish, by the way. I was baptized in the language one night. Gave me the whole language. Si quieres que yo hablar en español, predicar en español, yo puedo también. If you want me to preach or teach in Spanish, I could do that too. She reaches up and she grabs my hand. She starts to confess her husband's adultery. He's sitting next to her. And I'm like, thinking in my mind, what's going on here? What's, what's happening? And the daughter was sitting there too, and she starts to weep. And mama's weeping and father's weeping. And she reaches over to this man and she just gives him. His daughter falls out of the chair. She melts like butter onto the floor. And I never had to say a word. Never had to say a word. The presence of God is everything. Everything. It's important that we recognize that. Sure, I'm going to give you a lot of words today. But at any moment, any time, he wants to sweep through here. Okay. See, Jesus lived fully God and fully man. And that's why it's so important for us to understand who he is, what he did, and what he resisted for us. Because he was tempted in every single way. And I want to show you some things today. If you've got, well, I've got some time. Amen. If you're like our elder run church, it's till whenever. Turn with me to John chapter 8. And if you're still with me, say amen. amen. John chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. I want to read this to you. The Bible says, I know where I came from. Oh, this is the... This is Jesus speaking. He says, I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. I love it that Jesus was not a double-minded man. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. If you ask me where I come from, I come from a town of Zion, Illinois. I can tell you everything about the town. I can tell you the mayors. I can tell you the trustees. I can tell you everything about our town. Because I'm from there. It's important to me. It's important to me to know my land. That's why I'm sowing into my land as well. It's important for that. Why? 
Because if I can know my land, I can know the needs of my land and have a kingdom perspective of how to change my land. I need to understand these things. So Jesus knew where he was come from. He was declaring that he was from somewhere other than here. Where there was different principles, different perspective, a different authority. Everything was different than what was here. He came and brought peace amongst hostility. He was light in darkness. Everything he stood for was from a different place. He did not identify with that place. As a matter of fact, if I came to South Africa, I would still be a North American person. I would still be from America. Even though I would live in South Africa, I'm not South African. I don't speak Afrikaans, except for lekker. Everything is lekker. <laughs> Buy a donkey. Buy a donkey. Buy a donkey. Keep saying buy a donkey. <laughs> Scratch my head on that one. But he, <laughs> he knew where he was from. Isn't that incredible? I just had a uh, in that. Incredible. Yeah. Ooh, give it to me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bri. <laughs> hey, I've got a story about that, by the way. Real quick. I was uh, sitting with these farmers. And they have, you know, one of them's a pilot, and he, he, he flies, and he, he dusts crops and all this stuff. And, and the other farmer, he, he owns one of the largest game, game reserves in South Africa. And we were sitting the other day talking, two days ago. And uh, out of the blue, we weren't even talking about these things. But out of the blue, the South African man, he looks at me, the, the pilot, and he goes, he goes, you have alligators. We have crocodiles. <laughs> says, in South Africa, we have proper animals. I go, huh? Where did that come from? My goodness. Wow. I thought us Americans had a chip on our shoulder. I'm just kidding. It was funny, though. John 6:46. Turn there with me. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down. I want you to write down vantage point. Vantage point. And remember that I'm speaking to you today about how Jesus lived a life without sin. Amen? John 6.46 says, Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. He has seen the Father. That's a powerful statement, by the way. He has seen the Father. So over the last year, I've been thinking about this. In, in, I've been thinking about what a vantage point actually is. You know, if you have any military people in here, what's more important if, if 
if the enemy is coming, would you rather be in the valley or would you rather be coming, shooting from the top of the mountain? You'd rather be shooting from on top of the mountain. It's a vantage point. And we need to understand also that in the midst of all these things, we are still at war. We are at war. Although we don't fight from a place to obtain victory, we stand in the place of victory and we repel all that would come to try to steal our victory. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The vantage point here of understanding how Jesus, what Jesus provided for us, He gave us a place of victory, and we stand in victory. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. We stand in that place of victory, and there's things that come to steal, kill, and destroy our peace, right? Our joy, even try to work against our righteousness in the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of heaven, right? And it tries to move us out of that place of victory because if he can get us acting in a humanly way, if he can get us acting in things that identify with the earth, he can steal our joy, he can steal our peace, and ultimately he can cause us to fail. You hear what I'm saying? So we don't fight for victory. We, we fight from a place of victory, pushing back the forces of darkness. And those who have a more kingdom-minded perspective don't stand there by themselves, but are actually walking through this earth, pushing back forces of darkness. Taking lands, regions, businesses, taking authority over everything that God gave us, and that is everything here. Everything. In Jesus' name. So here we have, over the last year, by the way, I've been thinking about this uh, in, in the word vantage. And so I looked up in the dictionary. And how many have a Webster's Dictionary? You know, I, I, I love books, by the way. I very seldom use Google. As a matter of fact, I'm not one of these, these prophetic men that use Google to interpret I don't do that. I think that's robbing the Holy Spirit of his role. Let the Holy Spirit interpret. If he reveals something to you, don't ask something worldly. Ask God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I've been thinking about this, this vantage point. And Webster's actually said this. It's a position given, and I think they got it right this time. A position giving a strategic advantage. A commanding perspective. Or a comprehensive view. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that again. A position giving a strategic advantage. A commanding perspective. Or a comprehensive view. So what I want to do today is I want to come from a place of where I feel that God has revealed this, this to the church, not just to me. I, this is nothing new. There's apostolic fathers that have been preaching and teaching this through the years. And as a matter of fact, all of it comes from the scripture, so you're going to see it there anyway. It's nothing new. If anybody comes to you and says they've got some new revelation, whoop, put your red flags up. 
right? Because all Jesus is the revelation of all things. There's nothing more need to be revealed. We just come through moments in time where our eyes and our hearts become a little more open. It's like the presence of God. The presence of God doesn't need to be poured out anymore. We just have to become more aware of it. Did you hear what I said? We need to become more aware of it. John 8.32 says this, Those of you who are truly my disciples will hold to my teaching. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a leading in the understanding of God. And if you understand what he died to bring you into, he brought you into himself. Into the fullness. It's all about perspective. I pray today we challenge some of those things in Jesus' mighty name. So we need to understand that Jesus did not come. For those of you taking notes, write this without casting stones. Jesus did not come from eternity. I'm going to explain this. Jesus did not come from time or place. Jesus was a gift for eternity. Let's look at John 8, 13 through 14. I'm going to pause in between these moments just to look into your eyes as I read some of these things and explain some of them to you. John 8, 13 through 14. Now remember who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to a religious system. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking about those who build their kingdoms or their little kingdoms here on the earth. So they couldn't really comprehend what he was saying. And he said this in John, in John 8, 13. He says, he says uh, I'm going to back it up to verse 12, okay? Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Let's just let that one sink in for a moment, eh? Because that's not just talking about sin. That's talking about the ability to think clearly and the ability to grow your minds and your hearts. That's the, that's the ability to increase in the kingdom of heaven. Not walking in darkness. No longer can you say, well, I wasn't trained that way. I was Listen to you. Listen, God gave you a mind. He formed you in his image. He gave you the ability to increase in every area of your life. If you feel like you have stumbling blocks in your mind, you need to say, I no longer have darkness, Lord, in me. Father, I can see clearer, Lord God. Help me to see clearer. Lead me. Lead me. Maybe it might just be boiling down to you trusting in yourself or what people spoke over you instead of trusting in the Lord. It says this. I had a, let me, let me stop there for a moment because I, I think this is important. I had an elder in uh, um, Mexico. His name was Poncho. And Poncho was an incredible individual. 
He had no education, none whatsoever. He couldn't read or he couldn't write. For two, two and a half years, he sat there intently listening to the preaching of the word. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he was at times frustrated because he couldn't grab a hold of certain concepts. But he was listening and believing and believing and listening. And all of a sudden, snap. It's like his eyes, the glaze moved off his eyes. And he came to me and says, I want to plant a church. He had like maybe two pigs. He lived in a crate house. You know what a crate house is? It's a house that has pallets around it, little tin roof. They used the bathroom out in the, 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 the corn. They didn't even have a bathroom. We put a bathroom, a community bathroom there, a big fosa, septica. I don't know what you call it here. And he says, he says, I want to slaughter one of my pigs, invite all my neighbors, and I want to plant a church in the pallet community. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, dude, you can't even read or write. That's what I was really thinking. And I was still thinking in limitations. But I said, Poncho, I said, how are you going to do this, man? He says, with your help. I said, okay, yeah, I'll help. <laughs> but how are you going to feed the sheep? And he says, oh, I forgot to tell you. About two, three months ago, all of a sudden something happened in my life where I started memorizing every, every scripture and every preaching that you've ever done. What? So I tested him on it. I preached a message. I asked him to call his neighbors, and he preached my message verbatim. People came to Christ, and he's ministering, and anybody can minister love and have compassion. And he's loving on them. He's, and I'm like, I've never seen anything like it. He was one of my elders, still is to this day. Still can't read or write. He's waiting for God to release that mind in that one. But guess what? He listens to the Bible over the CDs in his vehicle, in his broke-down little old truck. Listens to that, memorizes Scripture, and the Holy Spirit illuminates his heart. There are no limitations in God. None whatsoever. Jesus, mighty name. In John 8, 13 through 14, he says this. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Remember what I said in the beginning. He didn't come from here. He came from another place. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Jesus made it clear that he was going back to a place. If he had come from heaven, he would have had the same expectation to return to heaven. But instead, he came from God. You say, what are you talking about? I'm going to show you. Amen? Look at John 16, 10. Part of my role here today is not just to speak to the people present, but the powers and the princes of the air that are listening in on this. 
and I address them as such, you will fall in Jesus' name. John 16, 10 says this. Let me back it up to verse 9. One of my favorite scriptures is, The Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus loves us with the same intensity that Father God loved Him? No love difference. And we trust that because He's the exact representation of God. That same intensity of love. God loves you the same. God loves you the same as He loves the Son. If you don't believe me, you should have been in my message yesterday when we talked about it for a long time of what Jesus actually went through and what He did. He loves you the same. He has the same intense love towards you. There is no difference. You have the ability, Luke 2.52, to grow in favor with God and with men. You have that. He says this in 16.10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. So we see a couple things happening here. We see Jesus is the door to the love of God. Jesus gives us a key here to understanding the Father of living in. Abiding is not a part of God, apart from God. Abiding is in God. A child that is born or is in a mother's womb is in that mother. That child is abiding within the mother. Amen? It's amazing. So now I want you to go to John chapter 1 before we get going into this message. Friends, if you fall off your chair and hurt yourselves, I remember a, and you fall asleep or something. I remember a story where someone fell out of a window and they were raised back to life. And if you're falling asleep, whew, you probably need to repent and give your life back to Jesus. Because His Word is life. Amen. I want you to see this. John chapter 1, I touched on it yesterday. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Does anybody know what the Hebrew word for presence is? Would you like to know? The Hebrew word for presence is face. Every time you feel the presence of God, it's the face of God looking into it. When you're in your car driving and the worship song comes on, you begin to praise. He sits enthroned on the praises of his people. You sense his presence because Abba is looking in, into the room. The Hebrew word for presence is face. Face to face when we sense His presence. This is why it doesn't matter if one worship service 
has more presence than another worship service, and we determine these services by the amount of presence that came down, friends, listen to me. One drop is better than a million days yesterday. And we're grateful for it all. That's why it's all about perspective. Becoming more aware of God. I can be in the middle of the desert, the Bible says in Isaiah, and I can find a river. Right? We've been giving the ability within us to change whatever atmosphere around us. Because that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. It not only cries out, Abba, Father, and makes groans and intercessions out of you, but it makes you aware, brings you into awareness, into the ultimate invitation that was set before us, the relationship of God the Father to His Son, His love back and forth. And you and I have been brought into this thing by the Holy Spirit, and we get to enjoy this love relationship. Presence is face. His presence goes before us. The face of God marches before us. And He's like a lion. And the enemies retreat because of His face. The presence of God is your rear guard. He stands there watching over you, making sure your enemies cannot come near you. The presence of the Lord is like a blanket over your life. He's constantly looking over you. He's, you are the apple of his eye. It's amazing what God has done for us. Father, I speak to the clouds of doubt and disbelief. I speak to the lack there that has been put over this region, Lord God. I speak, Lord God, to these clouds, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, you will part. That eyes can see. That ears can hear. That a heart can understand what you've done for us. Friends, you wake up in God. You go to sleep in God. You walk in God. Everything is in God. Jesus brought you into Him. In Him, through Him, and to Him, all was created. Jesus came to fulfill God's desires, Abba Father's desires. He came to seek and save all that was lost. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. That word there in Greek, and I talked briefly about this yesterday, that word there in Greek is logos. For those of you who know this, that word logos, we know that the original language was not Greek. 
It was Aramaic. It was incredible language. I listen to some of it sometimes, and it just blows my mind. I, I want a download of that. But in the beginning was the word, the logos, but that word in Greek, logos, was taken from a community, a community of words. If you read the Bible a lot or a little, you will recognize that even in the Psalms, you'll see one scripture in the next scripture and the next scripture actually are saying the same thing, but in different ways. It's a community of language trying to get the point across about what the meaning should be. And here you have the logos, which comes from in, in the Aramaic, okay, also translated in Hebrew, but it's in the Aramaic, it comes from a community of words, which is message, blueprint, and manifestation. So in the beginning, in the beginning, puberty, in the beginning was the message. In the beginning was the blueprint. And in the beginning was the manifestation. Now, this is incredible. You say, what does this have to do with anything? Who was the message? Jesus. Who's the blueprint? Jesus. And who is the manifestation of God made known? Jesus. So in the beginning is Jesus, where John the Beloved, he comes, he transcends time and understanding in the earth because of love. And what is love? There's a love that transcends all human knowledge, all human wisdom. And John was a guy, like I talked about yesterday, John was a guy who did not care about his title, his place, his position. But his position was to be beloved of God. John wrote five books of the New Testament. John's name is written in the foundation walls of Jerusalem. John took in Mary, the mother of Jesus, and you never hear him broadcasting any of that stuff. Ever. Matter of fact, it gets almost weird when he's, he's writing his own book and he's talking about himself, the beloved. I'm the beloved of Jesus. I'm the, I'm the beloved. He doesn't even call himself, he I, John. He doesn't say these things. He's like, I'm the beloved. Therefore, he's rooted in something called love. Not a humanly love that we believe that we have originates with us. He's rooted in a love that comes from God. A love from God that understands that there are things beyond this world that are great, much more greater than here. A person, Jesus Christ, was that love. God the Father is love. And every good thing from God, or everything good thing, comes from the Father of lights. Everything, everything, everything pertaining to goodness is love. It's God. So John, in this love, it's incredible if you think about this, he has not an epiphany or a revelation, he actually, remember, every scripture is God-breathed. The Holy Spirit wants us to see this. It's not just John writing. 
He wants us to see the avenue to which John received from God. Where he was brought into the first place of the covenantal experience. Covenantal experience of being brought face to face with God. first thing that God gives us, when we receive Him, He brings us back to a place before Him. How do I know this? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 1 and 2, talks about the wisdom that came from God, which was righteousness, what else? Redemption. And sanctification. Are you following with me today? Some are going to have to get the, 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 the soundtrack. But listen to me. I'm going to give it all right now. Righteousness came from God in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died to make men right before God. Sanctification. Jesus Christ died to present what was unholy and make it holy before God. Redemption. Jesus Christ died to redeem all that was lost and present it before God once again. Three things. So we see now John the Beloved, and because of his love for Jesus, God brings him into a place, face to face, where he says something that only previously Moses spoke in the beginning. Because Moses wrote Genesis, by the way. And Moses was a friend of God and spoke face to face with God. 2,000 years, 4,000 years, however long you want to call it, up until the point of where John, no one could articulate this ever. Why? Because that which we originally had had been lost because of sin and because of love bringing us back into it in a man accepting the love, identifying with love, receiving God's love, not caring about anything else, God lets them see it again. In the beginning, in the way that he sees God is through the lens of Jesus Christ. In the beginning, it's the message. Jesus is the message. In the beginning is the blueprint. Jesus has the plans of everything. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Says Jesus. In the manifestation, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. What's beautiful about this is that that same experience, that same glory, that same life that Jesus walked in, lived in, he died, he gave it to us. In John 17... Jesus says this. He says, the same glory that you've given to me, I now give to you. 
Why is that so important? Because that word glory there, that word glory in Greek right there is doxa, D-O-X-A. And doxa means this, acts and nature of God made manifest. God gave us himself. Bottom line, he gave us himself. He gave us his acts. He gave us his nature to manifest them. To manifest them. This is why it's so important that we live by the Spirit. Not gratifying the lusts of the sinful nature, but walking according to the Spirit. Because when we walk according to the Spirit, you and I were made from the dust of the earth. And when we live according to the Spirit, we actually allow the Holy Spirit to take dominion over the substance we were created from. And only then when we walk according to the Spirit can creation around us say, those are the sons of God. why I can speak to the tree and say bear fruit in Jesus name I can speak to the sky and say bring forth your rain I can look to the ground and say bring forth your harvest a little Indian man indigenous man, friend of mine in a place called Almolonga Guatemala for 15 years this little indigenous man who had nothing, had a promise and a word from heaven this little man was obedient to God. Obedient to God. He stood in the plaza, in the center of the town, in a place that was unfertile. You can go online and in, 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 go on YouTube and look up transformations video, transformation videos, Al Malonga. He stood in the center of this town for 15 years, my friends. And he prophesied to the sky, Bring forth your rain. And he pointed his finger at the ground. Bring forth your fruit. And the townspeople thought he was a lunatic. Because in that town there were 2,500 bars, cantinas. The women, the report of the women, they would go they, all night long. Their husbands never came home. They would go throughout the streets and they would look for their husbands. And they would grab their arms and drag them back home put coffee in their system, dunk their heads and wake them up. And they had no work because the fields were unfertile. There was a man who had a word from heaven. Bring forth your rain. Bring forth your fruit. Bring forth your rain. Bring forth your fruit for 15 years. They thought he was so crazy that that Christians in the other town, and he would preach on these things. Christians in the other town, rich Christians, they would come over there. They weren't rich in the Lord. Trust me, there's a difference. You can be rich with monetary things and be rich in God as well. You can. They would, they would send police officers over there, police officers, and these police officers would beat him up and tell him, stop preaching this nonsense. It's a true story. And then all of a sudden, the rains begin to fall. And now they have three harvests a year. 
all of those cantinas are now churches. They have one police officer. There's no sale of alcohol. There's no alcohol and no tobacco even sold in the city. You come up over the mountain into Almalonga, you should get out of your car and stand on the side of the road because the praises are rising up out of the valley. They have 24-hour prayer all around the clock. 24-hour worship. After this took place and people started getting saved by the droves, God downloaded to this little indigenous man a plan for unity amongst the people. They started buying up all the cantinas, every cantina, and he broke the city down into different zones. And so when the people, because three harvests a year requires a lot of work, the people were on a rotation. God gave this man a plan of a rotation. They thought he was crazy. And now when people come out of the fields, there's churches that are open to them all the time for worship, right? And guess what? All the churches pool their money together to stay open. What is impossible with man? Nothing is impossible with God. Before they were walking in darkness. Now they walk in light. So here we go, but back to my question. If Jesus was alone to see the Father, to what vantage point was He speaking from? And to what vantage point or position was He talking about? I want you to look at John 1. And I'm not going to read the whole thing for... I'm not going to say sake of time. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want to focus on something here. In verse 1 still, it says, In the beginning... I want you to hear that when I say it, because this is important for your life. If you need a message, Jesus is the message. If you need help with the blueprints of your life, Jesus is the blueprint. If you need a manifestation of God, Jesus is that for you. And guess what? When He comes on you, you can be that for others, pointing people to Jesus. But you can manifest God with the wisdom that God gives. You can provide blueprints. Amen? You can give the message. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. I want to focus here just for a brief moment on the word with. Okay? And this is the first vantage point if you're taking notes. So the first vantage point is that Jesus was keeping his eyes and heart stayed upon the Father. This is a strategic vantage point. But how did it happen? A better term is a face-to-face -face encounter. He, he not only stayed looking at the Father, but he was brought face-to-face with God. And here in John, we see a couple times the Word was with God. And the word with here is very important for us to understand because the word with in Greek is pros. P-R-O-S. Pros. Now look at this. With God. Pros. 
Now that word in Greek means to be near or facing. So Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was near or facing God. This is incredible stuff, friends. And the Greek word for face, we're not talking about Hebrew or Aramaic anymore, but the Greek word for face is prosopon, P-R-O-S-O-P-O-N, prosopon, which is saying that the word was facing God. So here's John transcending time, understanding space, brought into a place to see the Word, Jesus, facing God. This is also a demonstration of the covenant that you and I have. When we love God, are you following what I'm saying? When we love God, John got to experience what the new covenant is, to be face to face with God. And the only way he got to experience that. It's his love for Jesus. Only way. So I believe that this was a strategic vantage point. One of the ways that Jesus lived a sinless life is that he was constantly face to face with God. Do you know that you and I are too? I've already talked about it, the presence of God. You and I, the Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne. We have access. There's no longer a veil. The veil has been torn. You and I have access into the Holy of Holies to stand face to face with our beloved Father. Jesus made that possible. This is something we should celebrate all the time. Something we should be grateful for at all times. This was a vantage point of Jesus to live face to face with God. The next one here, let's look at John 1.14. You ready for this? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. From the Father. This is absolutely amazing. If you get anything today, get this, what I'm about to tell you. Because from, in Greek also, means para. Para, P-A-R-A. Para means to be alongside someone else. Para. Here's another vantage point. He was alongside the Father. That's how he only did what he saw his Father doing. He positioned himself face to face. He only did what he saw his father doing. Father God was 
acting things out, sharing things. Father God was teaching his son how to heal people. You say, what are you talking about? Listen to me, young man, come here. Come here real quick. Can I use you? Come here. Come here. Who's sick in here today? Raise your hand if you're sick in body. Come, on, come, with, come with me. Come with me. Come over here. Come on. Amen. You're not feeling good, huh? Uh, fever or something? Uh, fever? Now listen. You ready? Son, I want you to put your hand on his chest. And I'm going to put my hand over the top of yours. In the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus obviously didn't say in the name of Jesus, right? But I'm going to say that. In the name of Jesus, say in the name of Jesus. I command this flu. Flu to leave your body. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Listen to me, friends. Father God was teaching his son. Thank you, young man. He was teaching his son. He said, follow me. You see, you have to realize something is that Jesus only said what he heard the father saying. So if he said, follow me, he heard God the father say, follow me. If Jesus walked on water, it's because he saw his father walking on water. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I only testify. He only testified of the father. Remember what we talked about. He did not consider equality something to be grasped. He humbled himself to the point, even to the point of death. Not I that live, but Christ in me. So here we have another vantage point. The vantage point is to be alongside, be beside the Father. From in Greek is para. Its root meaning is to be alongside someone else. And the Holy Spirit's word in Greek is para. Litos or paraklatos, which is the one called alongside us to help us. This is who He gave us, is that you and I too can show forth Father God. The third vantage point is probably my favorite, and I'll close with this one today. I have a hard time getting through this one because it's uh, it's the all comprehensive view. The first vantage point that Christ gave us was a strategic advantage being face to face. The second one, being alongside, was a commanding perspective, and the third one is a comprehensive view. If we can get this one in our spirit, friends, we can take lands and nations to Jesus. 
August 5th, 1996, before I share this. I was in the Lake County Jail. I was not always a preacher. Some may say I'm still not. But I was in for narcotics. I was a, I, I, I was a user. I wasn't a big seller. I was a selfish user. I didn't want to share my drugs with anybody. I drank a lot of alcohol. I slept with a lot of women. It was just a horrible life that I had. I was given everything. My, great, my grandfather on this side was a minister. I have generations of ministers. I've already shared with you a little bit of my life. But then on the other side, my mom's side, this side, was the Irish Mafia. Yeah. I grew up with people in our home, in my grandfather's home. Matter of fact, what's interesting is that when I ran away from home at 17, my grandpa opened the door to me because he thought my parents were crazy because they were all believers. And uh, his only rule was this, Scotty, Friday nights, you have to stay at the house. and Sit right here on the couch. I don't care what you watch on television, but should you hear the door knock or the doorbell, you don't get up. You press the intercom button right next to the couch. Someone will come up from the basement. I don't want you involved. Sit. Then you can live with me rent-free. Sound like a pretty good idea for me. No authority. Nobody to talk to me. Nobody to... I was rebellious, friends. Rebellious. And uh, we had men like Chuck the Hat Man. That was my grandpa's private bodyguard. He had been a Golden Gloves boxer, carried a 38 snub revolver in his boot. Had another guy named Big Mark. We had uh, Boston Joey, Boston Shorty, William the Beadman, Rich the Rocket Man from, from Chicago, Cicero Bob from Chicago, all these old-time gangsters. They were all there. And I don't know what they were talking about in the basement. I could never hear. That was what I, I had. I had the angel on this side and the devil on this side. I could have chose whatever life I wanted to go into and be successful. And there was a contention for my life. Contention. I was running from the call of God. My mom and dad, they said when I was five years old, I would stand up at restaurants and I would preach the gospel. To a restaurant. I would grab a staff and I would pretend I was Moses Everybody else was playing baseball and all these things. I was acting out Bible characters. I remember when I got out of jail, actually right before I went to jail that last time. I was in jail four times in one year. I was looking at a 13-year sentence. See, I think it's important for you to understand these things about me. Some of you listen to me preach and are like, man, that guy has history. I have history with God, but it began in August, August 5th, 1996. And I remember before I went to jail that very last time, I was laying in the bed of my girlfriend's house. It was not a wholesome situation. And, and she, her parents, they were very Catholic. And they didn't care if I slept at the house as long as I didn't sleep in the same room as their daughter. And uh, so anyways, I was in the guest bedroom and 
All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, middle of the night, the TV turns on. In Chicago, there's these, these newscasters that come on television. I'm sure they're everywhere in the world. You have newscasters too, right? Uh, awesome. And one of them was Joan Esposito. I still remember her today. AB7, Channel 7 News. She comes on the television, and she's crying, weeping. And I'm, here, can you give him one of these waters? Give him one of those new waters. You want a water, son? Picker done drank all the waters. And, uh, and so she comes on the news station, and she's crying. And I'm like, what's going on? I woke up. Who turned the TV on to begin with? And all of a sudden, there's, she's talking about planes falling out of the sky and people disappearing and, and all this crazy stuff. And, oh, buddy, I freaked out. I was at odds with my dad. You see, my dad was, he was a strict man. He was a very godly man. And everything I lived for was repelling what he stood for. Everything. But the mama's out here. My mom, she would, she, she loved me. My mama loved me. She prayed me into the kingdom. My dad did too. But my mama was like the mediator in between me and my dad. You know, we. And she's like, kids, kids. So as this is going on, I feel in my spirit. I need to call home because if my mom's at home, I know that Jesus didn't come back and take everybody. <laughs> didn't care about my dad. I love him. Me and my dad are best friends now. And I'm, I call home and I say, Dad. He's like, Scott, do you know what time it is? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Put mom on the phone. She gets on the phone. Never even crossed my mind that my dad would go to heaven too. That's how gone I was. You know, it's crazy. And uh, my mom gets on the phone. She says, hey, Scotty, is everything okay? I said, mom, 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 I need to ask you the questions. For those of you who've been around me, I love to ask questions. I'm an interrogator with God, by the way. When I sit down with him, I ask him so many questions. That's what I do. He loves it. And I said, Mom, are you okay? I said, Scott, I'm, I'm fine. I said, no, no, Mom, 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 listen, listen, listen. Have you heard the news? And she goes, what news? I said, there's planes falling out of the sky. People are disappearing. Families are, they're, they're, they're gone. I just turned on Channel 7 News with Joan Esposito. She says, Scott, are you on drugs? I said, Mom, I promise you I haven't used. The courts won't let me use right now. I'm, I, I, if, I, if I do, I'm going to go to prison for 13 years. I can't do this. And she says, Scott, I want you to listen to what he's trying to tell you. Who's trying to tell me something? Just listen. She hung up the phone. Mama. Where are you? I was alone. So I laid in the bed. And all of a sudden, the ceiling I was looking at rolled back. Clouds. 
And a cross came out of the ceiling. And from the center of a cross came a finger and touched me right on the nose. The finger went back, the cross went back, and the clouds, the clouds rolled back, and I screamed as loud as I could. I'm not going to work today! And everybody came running in the house. Is everything okay? Is everything? I'm not going to work. I don't know what's happening. And I shut the door and I slammed it in their faces. And I locked it and I crawled under the covers. Scared to death. All of a sudden, I had an idea. My grandfather. Not the mafia one. The other one. I called him up and I said, Grandpa, I said, do you believe in visions? I said, I do, Scott. I said, Grandpa, I'm going to be there in just a few moments. I got in my little, my little red car, and I drove as fast as I could to his house. It was about an hour away. I busted in that door. Grandma was already up making me cookies for the rest of the day. And I sat on the edge of his couch, and I looked at him. I said, Grandpa, just tell me about it. And I told him what I just told you, and he started laughing. Why are you laughing at me? I said, oh, Scotty. He says, this is good news. I said, what? Can someone please tell me something? He says, this is great news. He says, God is calling you. I went to jail. About two weeks later, stood before the judge right before I went to jail Judge Goshgarian. And right after my sentence, right after my sentence, I was looking at a 13-year sentence. He gave me three months. Right after my sentence, he was taken down because he was a judge that was working with the mafia. My grandpa was one of the people that was helping him. But my grandpa never got in trouble with that. My grandpa was, he was a little higher up in things. So I went into the jail. It was interesting. I'm walking in. I go through booking and all these things. And you say, where are you going with this? Trust me, I'm going to take you there. All of a sudden, this officer comes up to me, Officer Partridge, which is also an Irish name. And he pulls me aside and he says, Scotty. He says, is your grandpa Billy Gaines? I said, yes. He says, come with me. This is your cell. And all the rest of the guys single file line into double bunks and they walked me into my own cell and it looked like a very nice cell. <laughs> I had a desk, I had a lamp, I had notebooks and pens and my co- I had two comforters, everybody else had one. It was fantastic. As a matter of fact, when everybody else would go to sleep at night and their cell doors would close, mine would open and I'd get to walk to the officer's lounge and I'd shoot pool with them. I'd eat Hot Pockets and eat ice cream and all kinds of great things that prisoners don't get to do until all of the rest of the prisoners got mad and I'd start bringing back armloads of stuff for them too so they'd stop being mad at me. This has happened in my life. Then one night, the day before my birthday, August 5th, my birthday is the 6th, 1996, I remember something was different. I went to my Bible that my mom felt she needed to bring the the week before 
And it said in there, I opened it up, and it was signed by my dad and my mom, and it says, Scott, we hope you grow up to be a fine young Christian man. God's calling on your life. Da-da-da-da. The enemy will not win because we have a promise. Exclamation point. When I saw that, something was happening. I didn't know what was happening, but something was happening. I know now. And I, I was like, God, what, or what's, what's happening here? This is, this is, this is too weird. Something, something, I'm feeling something different. I said, Lord, if you're out there, I need you to reveal yourself to me. Because I'm tired of pain and misery. I'm tired of waking up and the only way way that I know that where I'm at is hospital walls were green. Jail walls were yellow. Lived my life for years. And I remember that night, I said, I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of this misery. Come live your life through me. In that moment, a wind rushed into my cell. I began to weep. I began to cry. Everybody in the, in the jail was shouting, Shut up, Lee, you big baby. I didn't care. I did not care. I cried even louder. And that very next day, I woke up in the morning. I said, Lord, what do you want from me? I have nothing to give. I have nothing. He says, you have a voice. Let me be your voice. Okay, what does that mean? I opened up the Word. Everything became alive. And I stood up in the afternoon of that very next morning on a chair in the commons, and I preached the gospel. I saw 13 Latin gang members come to Jesus in the very first meeting I ever had. The officers came to me and they said this. They said, Mr. Lee, they said, you can't have these meetings anymore. We don't know what you're doing, if you're inciting a riot or what. I said, I'm just telling them about Jesus. Oh, okay. We won't say anything. Just keep it down a little bit. It changed my life. Hopefully, the next moment will change yours as well. Because the next vantage point I want to share with you is this. Look at John 1.18. And if I could have my brother come and just play the guitar softly. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is in the Father's side. He has made Him known. Jesus was and is eternally inside the Father's bosom, inside the Father. You know why Jesus loved John so much? 
because he did things that reminded him of his father. John laid his head on Jesus' chest. Jesus was like, this is it. This is what I do with my papa. You see, just like the Roman centurion whose faith amazed Jesus, our love can amaze God. Our love can amaze Christ. And the more that we choose to live that way, where we want to amaze God, we want we don't want to just live in benefits. We want to please Him. That draws more attention. It draws more attention. Trust me, it does. It's not about the works, friends. It's not about how much you fast and pray. It's about how you do it. It's about the attitude of your heart with it. I just want to love you. I want to love you because you love me. I want to love you because when I had nothing to give, nothing to offer, why I was a sinner, you died for me. When I was filthy, you cleaned me up. When I was profane, you made me holy. When I thought that I had nothing, I was unredeemable. You redeemed me and gave me a name. You changed my existence. There's no longer woe is me. It's I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And there's hope. The hope of glory. I tried to write my own story and it failed. But now I have a different author. And he says, the plans I have for you are plans to prosper you, to give you hope in a future never to harm you. This is my author, the perfecter, and the finisher, not of my faith, but the faith he puts inside of me. He's that. I've been brought into him. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. Apart from Him, I will die. But I have been brought into Him. Life surrounds me. Life is my middle name. Life is your middle name. Are you seeing it today? We have an advocate. We have a high priest. We have an apostle. We have an intercessor. We have someone who sits enthroned in our hearts, who's given us a new mind, where we don't identify with anything in the world anymore. We have been taken out, uprooted, that thing cut off, and we have been brought into heavenly places. For not I that live. Christ in me. 
Christ in me. Listen to this. That one little word right there in 18, it says, in, who is in the Father. You play him a man. If we can get this in us, that means in Greek, E-I-S, ice, into. We have been brought into the Father. Everything apart from the Father's death, we've been brought into the Father. I'm not going to go into how man fell and all those things, but if you can grab it today, if you can understand it today, what actually took place when man sinned and he was apart from God. The garden is God, friends. It was shut. angels stood there the cherubim later on the cherubim pictured on the ark and inside was glory glory now everything inside has moved beyond angels have been removed they now face you and watch over you They don't protect His presence. They watch over you. And we get to walk in. We get to walk in. We get to walk in. Be face to face. The strategic advantage point. We get to be face to face with a comprehensive view of what God wants to do in the whole earth of reconciling all things back to Him. Every race, every tongue, everything, everything. And He's chosen you to do it. But if you won't, the rocks will. He's chosen you too. Listen to this. sense in my spirit today the spirit within me the spirit of God I sense in my spirit that there's some here today and hopefully all some here today that say you know what Lord first things first we're going to address living in lesser glory John 1 Corinthians 14 says this. It says, when the unbeliever walked in amongst them, right? When the unbeliever walked in amongst them, he fell on his face and exclaimed, God surely is amongst you. When we back up in that passage of Scripture, it talks about the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus, edification, exhortation, comfort. I'm not talking about prophets. I'm talking about the spirit of prophecy. Exhortation, edification, and comfort. 
So how did the unbeliever fall on their face later on in that chapter and exclaim, God is amongst them? Because the church was edifying one another. They were comforting one another. They were strengthening one another. And the testimony of Jesus was present. And he said, if I be lifted up, you see, you lift up God by edifying, encouraging, and strengthening one another. Enough of the spiritual cannibalism in the body of Christ. If we live that way, he's lifted up. And men that walk into this room or walk into the church, walk in amongst the believers that live that way, where the testimony of Jesus is high and lifted up. The testimony of Jesus is also how we treat one another. When we live that way, friends, they fall on their faces. They say, God is amongst you. And their hearts are convicted of living in lesser glories than the glory God called them to. Are you following what I'm saying today? We have been brought into God. Jesus lived a sinless life because He understood and lived face to face with God. He lived alongside the Father. He only did what he saw his father doing and said, we heard your father saying. And then also, he never, never, ever separated himself from the father. So a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you could get these things in your spirit and get them in your mind and start confessing them, Greater things shall you even do. Greater things. Today, if you want to, I'm not going to beg you to, but if you want to, start walking in higher realms. Stand to your feet. you to put your hands out like this. I believe there's going to be a deposit. I don't have time to pray with everybody here. But for those of you who don't know what just took place this morning, this was a word of wisdom for you. This is a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is greater than a word of knowledge. Can I get an Amen what it is. A word of wisdom can set you on a course for the rest of your life. A word of wisdom breaks down false ideologies, transforms thinking, right? And starts allowing you to think in a new way. Believe in a new way. It's a revelation of God Himself. That's what a word of wisdom is. Words of knowledge are to us. I don't want to know about myself. I know about myself. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I know who I am. I want to know more about him. Know more about him. Put your hands up just to receive today. Say, Father, 
I am in you. You are in me. Thank you for bringing me face to face. Thank you for letting me be alongside you. Thank you, Lord, that you surround me. I abide in you. You abide in me. What you've brought together, no man can separate. Lord, guard my heart. Guard my mind. Help me to think, believe, and understand only the truth. Not men's doctrines. Not men's traditions. That would bind me. But your truth that sets me free. I receive today an impartation of the wisdom of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now this is what we're going to do. First thing is this. I've got, I, I feel like there's somebody here who has a pain in the side of your, your, side of your head. That's you. I want you to put your hand up. It's on this side of your head. Just a pain. That's you. Just put your hand up. And then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to turn around. We're going to pray for one another. Okay? I just prayed for you. Now I want you to pray for the person on your left and right. So we're going to play. We're going to sing. I want you to lay hands on one another, okay? Because we're the body. Amen? Let's just turn right now. Pray for one another. Prophesy over one another. Prophesy. Test the Lord. Whatever you want, my man. Whatever you want. You are worship. You are. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yeah. Lord, have you way. Yes, Holy Ghost. I will listen when you speak and go where you lead. I surrender, let my whole life sing. He's showing you things Lord, about the person. Just speak them out. Have faith. Oh, Lord, have you way. Holy Ghost.
at your face shot upon us as we walk alongside you your face shot upon us as we walk alongside you let your mercy fall let your grace fall There is healing in this place There is power in this place Long more of you Long more of you Long Quiero ser todo.